Before we get started, I just wanted to make a quick announcement to say that we got our first sponsorship. So a bit of time ago, one of my old high school teachers who wishes to remain anonymous contacted me and they said that they really believed in what we were doing. They thought it was important and wanted to help us keep doing it by sponsoring our next 10 episodes. Starting with this episode and barring any odd interruptions, these next 10 episodes are sponsored and dedicated to an old high school teacher of mine. Thank you so much. You're a real one. Additionally, if anyone else would like to sponsor us or support us financially, we're also launching a Patreon. And I'll let Yeji explain that. Take it away. Yay! <laughs> um, yeah, so we recently just set up our Patreon. It's still technically a draft right now, but it should be uploaded by the time we get this out. Um, we're going to have three tiers to start. Tier one's going to be $5 every month. We have bloopers every four to five episodes and early ad-free episodes for y'all. Um, so again, that'll be tier one for $5. Tier two will be $10 a month. You'll have access to a personal Discord that we're going to set up for y'all um you'll be able to chat with us in real time and get access to all the chaos and stuff in the chats um and then you will also have voting power for every fifth episode that we do so every five episodes we will take down votes for things um that you want us to do episodes on tier three is going to be twenty dollars and with that you will get a monthly video call with us so that we can chat about what you're loving what you're just liking anything that you want to say to us all those comments criticisms, cries of outrage, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, also, you will get a scrolling name thingy at the end of our YouTube videos. We will have to probably get a few more people down for tier three once we start doing the scrolling name thingy because it'd be like really tragic if it was just like one name. So, <laughs> but yeah, and also if you are any tier above one, you will get the tiers you will get the like access to the tiers that are below it as well. So like tier three will have the tier one and tier two benefits and tier two will have tier one benefits as well. So um, stay tuned for that. And eventually once on and I get the ball rolling on this stuff too, we hope to have like merch and other things on there for you so that, you know, we can support y'all the way that you are supporting us as well. And we're really, really excited to start putting out some more stuff for y'all to be a little bit more interactive um, so that we can, you know, put out the stuff that y'all want to see, but also like share our creative process with you as well. Awesome. I'll have all of that linked in the description below. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. My name is Anne. And my name is Yeji, and this is Our Own Canon. We created this show as a way for us to discuss and debate pieces of art, literature, philosophy, television, film. Basically, anything and everything that has left an impression on us as Asian American college age nerds with social anxiety and affinity for Vietnamese iced coffee. Nerds, which we absolutely are, so get prepared to get lost in the weeds. But don't worry, we'll offset with enough irony and sarcassery to keep things not boring for y'all. And of course, thank you for listening and supporting the show. We hope you love what we have prepared today. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. 
I'm so excited for today. <laughs> <laughs> I am too, but I don't know why I'm excited. <laughs> this... there's, there's a lot of feelings going on here, and I'm not sure what they are. So we're gonna work through them today. I think yes, that's what we it are. Is. This is so on made me watch Front a Girlfriend, and he is now the cause of me having to do some therapy. And so now this movie is something that I referred to him, and this is now our official clinical session. Where we get to talk about this <laughs> this piece. I don't um, think this is as bad as Rena Girlfriend though, because like I had fun with this. Rena Girlfriend just made me like either really uncomfortable or mad or like <laughs> or just like not wanting to be there. But like I, I, I willingly sat through this movie. I would willingly sit through this movie again. Yeah. Probably with alcohol and friends. But... Yeah. <laughs> next time to actually you know make it more fun no i i actually really liked this movie the first time that i watched it which i watched it when i was really really young and you know those movies where you're like 99 percent sure that it was like not real that it was like a fever dream <laughs> or something and then you find out that it was real and you watch it again and you like remember the things that you remember that you thought were fake yeah so yeah. <laughs> this is that you're like only a me. child's imagination can make this and like Honestly, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it makes sense, like for particularly for this film. So, um, this is the Forbidden Kingdom, the two thousand eight one. Um, I believe there is a sequel, but I haven't seen the sequel. Um, but I'll yeah, watch it, gladly. Yeah, I want the sequel after this. <laughs> as long as it, as long as it still has Jet Li and Jackie Chan, which is like. The draw for this movie, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> I also two powerhouses. I just love I I love Jackie Chan so much. I think he's such an icon. And when you watch older films like from the early two thousands and stuff with him in it, like you really realize why he was as big as he was, and like he really did define I think like a whole generation of movies and um this movie in particular feels very like early 2000s and so i don't know this movie feels like feels like iconoclastic to me i don't know i really liked it but i would love to actually sit down and hear your thoughts because all i got from when you watched the movie the first time was you were in the discord and you were in the live reactions and i was just <laughs> reading all of your live reactions my notes are great. Uh, they not are useful really great. for going back and gleaning anything from them, <laughs> but they're great. No, I really love them. It's also like I woke up and it was like 200 plus unread messages. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize I was going that hard. <laughs> and so that was that was nice. That was fun. <laughs> but um, All right, yeah, so for this no, episode, let's get into uh, it. Our are we are we top picks or are we raccoon rambles or or another thing? I, I'm mm. I'm genuinely quite not sure. <laughs> I that's a good question. How about here? How about we talk about the movie, talk about what works, talk about what doesn't work, right? And then we'll decide at the end whether or not it's gonna be a top picks or a raccoon rambles. Though to be honest right. with you, like. If you read the title of the episode, it's it's gonna be a spoiler for you, I guess, on like what we what we end up deciding. But um, something to look forward to, I guess. All right, so uh, Forbidden Kingdom, featuring Jackie Chan and Jet Li. Uh, first thing to note, the title the title sequence is great. I love how like they have like the 
the Jack. I don't know why it stuck out to me so much. I feel like someone <laughs> had a lot of fun doing this, where it says mm-hmm. like Jackie Chan, and then like under it with the same J, it says Jet Li. Like it's like dumb how much I like that, <laughs> but I do. <laughs> nice. Yes. Yeah. No. The um the intro sequence is really fun, and I like how they did like old wuxia movie posters, which like I think that watching this right after watching. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was actually really cool simply because Mm -hmm. you can see where they got a lot of inspiration from and sort of look into the... So, like, how I said that, like, Jackie Chan movies define, like, us as a generation. Like, what kind of movies inspire Jackie Chan's generation kind of thing, you know? Or, like, the movies that they were originally in that inspired, like, more fun movies like this to come out. Not more fun, more like i guess like this is like a parody of a wuxia movie you know i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily say that this is a wuxia movie in the same way that like crouching tiger hidden dragon is but it's definitely mm-hmm. like a romp it, it's, yeah it's definitely something you could only do after the genre has been like iterated enough to yeah have like i wouldn't say critiques but just have, have fun with the tropes that are going on here yeah exactly uh, exactly which is why they can do the thing like the posters that you were talking about mm-hmm. in the intro yeah also, all those posters are great recommendations for us later for, for older <laughs> yeah. stuff. That apparently we're on like some sort of like martial arts, kung fu, wuxia kick. So. Yeah, but I like that. I'm not upset. I'm not upset about it. <laughs> that might be like super Asian, though. <laughs> I mean, this whole podcast is kind of super Asian. Yeah, that's so true that's, as well. So yeah, <laughs> not mad at it. Okay, also, so the intro. I've been trying to make a better point at this yes. in our podcast. Yes. Spoiler warning ahead. Oh. <laughs> There's gonna be a lot of spoilers. And I recommend watching this movie. It's a, it's it's fun. It's a fun time. Yeah. Bring your friends along. A little bit of alcohol probably would make it a little more fun. Too. A little bit more fun, yeah. Um no, I I absolutely I absolutely agree. This is a really fun movie. Um I do think that alcohol would help. <laughs> just you know to a certain extent um there's also just like a person who is an alcoholic in this (laughs) in this movie so you guys can drink together Uh, (laughs) okay so you like the opening how how uh, where do you want to go from there uh let's just play uh and bad recaps and see where this goes oh okay (laughs) wonderful wonderful let's get let's do it all right uh, unlike for the last episode, I last episode I did have notes, but they were good notes. This one, <laughs> I my notes are basically just a bunch of random messages. <laughs> I love that though. I I really do think that okay, because I can I read your live reactions? Like, can I read some of them? Because they're so good. <laughs> Honestly, go for it. Okay, starting okay, with the okay. first one. You, had, you gotta okay, go yeah, with yeah, the first yeah. one. So it says. <laughs> <laughs> the Weinstein Company. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like watching watching old like movies always is like such like a minefield now because like about every other one you're in the you're in the opening sequence and it just says the Weinstein Company and it, it, it's and it's like it's not one of the like, like subtle things that you can miss. It's it's literally just spelled out right there in front of you. you and... Got a little bit of whiplash from that. I see. And in like it's just in so much stuff you can't really avoid it. Like you can't just like I'm never gonna watch a Weinstein like thing again. Yeah. Because then you're not like never gonna watch a movie again. Oh my goodness. <laughs> 
But that is a hilarious note to start on for sure. Um, the second one is, in all caps, why is he a monkey? And then the second one, okay, not a monkey, LOL. <laughs> so what Anne is referring to here is, so this movie is a kind of like a parody on The Journey to the West, which is a very, very prolific story that has many different iterations, many different, like, not versions, but like remakes like people you know like take that story and they put their own twist on it but it's everywhere like you yeah it's like a it's almost like myth mythological to a point right like mm -hmm. you know like it's just like so embedded in the culture that it's mm -hmm. something that constantly gets reiterated on and yeah and tried out in different ways under different like perspectives and stuff like mm -hmm. that definitely like exactly what you said mythological um is huge part of like Asian media even now like you can't I mean every anime you'll probably find some kind of journey to the west like reference of some sort or like there are literally anime where like the main character is named Sun <laughs> after yeah. Sun Wukong so <laughs> um which is actually something that the Forbidden Kingdom does um our main character is a white boy <laughs> And we'll get I, more into that later, but... I legitimately don't know his name. He is just, like, in my mind as, like, white boy. Because <laughs> I do not know his name. It's so bad. White boy, capital W, capital B. Um, no, his his name is Jason Trepidicus. Um, okay, so white boy. Yes, but uh, Trepidicus is a play on Tripitaka, who was the monk that is the main character in uh, The Journey to the West. His his name is Tripitaka, and he's like the reincarnation of the Golden Takeda, who is the one who is supposed to bring the scriptures or scrolls or some sort. It's like a holy documents to Buddha, and that's why he goes on The Journey to the West, is that he's like delivering this thing back to or not back to but like to the buddha and so i actually thought that was kind of cool just like slipping that in there but i thought it was mm -hmm. also kind of corny and on the nose <laughs> like as a nerd i appreciated it but as somebody who like is a writer myself i'm like that's so corny that's like so you guys tried so hard to like fit that in somewhere and it's it's yeah it's really funny but that's like what this movie is and i'll get yeah. to that at the end yes but there's like, this, so this many more of these is camp like, like yes. this is like the best form of camp yes um so moving on um on says this dude is distractingly white for what I thought was going to be a kung fu movie. <laughs> and, um, oh, and then before that, you said, mentioned the Shaw brothers, which makes me remember that I want to talk about the Wu-Tang Clan in some way at some point. Uh, so, another topic. <laughs> another thing, another thing to another add thing. to the list of many things that we want to talk about. But genuinely, like, I do want to do, like, some sort of, like, Wu-Tang Clan thing, because, like, like, you know, hip-hop's, like, a really big part of my life, and, like, nothing is more interestingly a part of, like, Asian culture than the Wu-Tang Clan, because mm. they're, like, hip-hop artists, they're black, but they also are, like, so influenced by Asian media, specifically the Shaw Brothers, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and also, like, I can't be the only one who thought that they were Asian for the longest time, you know? Like, they're, they're called the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> Uh, so like they're this they're genuinely like a really important part of like my like relationship with hip hop. 
Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I think that we'll definitely talk a little bit more about like music and stuff. Um, we're a bit on like a show and movie jag right now, but we'll definitely get more into like books and songs. I will say that I think that like music and books in particular n- require a bit more heavy lifting in terms of interpretation and artistic intent and thinking about all that stuff than like movies do because movies kind of utilize all those different things to tell an entirely different story like like for instance like the music in this movie right there's a sequence where the jade warlord again another character that we'll talk about and sun wukong are fighting and every time the monkey king makes a move there's like these really playful like flute sequences in the background but then every time the jade warlord makes a move it's like very deep like more brassy instruments and it's just really cool to like watch that dynamic work out while they're fighting and everything like that like but we could analyze that song completely separately right and all the elements Mm -hmm. that go into that but when we're looking at like a movie or a show we're looking at how the music would impact the scene or what we're actually seeing on the screen right so yeah yeah, no i think that music and books would be a little bit more complicated but i'm getting off topic i'm sorry uh wu-tang clan (laughs) technically on topic the music is very good in this movie like genuinely from the first track i was automatically I i love the interplay between like uh more like traditional like ancient uh sounding stereotypically mm-hmm. sounding sounds with like more of like the modern <laughs> stuff and like they use it really well to like really put you in the place that they want you to be it's not mm-hmm. just the settings and stuff like that and the props mm-hmm. and whatnot it's also the music and mm-hmm. a little subtle but it like goes a long way yeah no really and so yeah at this point in the movie we're introduced to jason trapidicus um who is <laughs> As An said, distractingly white for what I thought was going to be a kung fu movie. <laughs> yeah, and he starring is, Jet Li and Jackie Chan. Very... And like, they kind of like they're your first moment in the movie is with Jason, and is it is it just like kind of just Jason. and he's like and he's also not like and his personality, the way like he's portrayed in the movie is like really like intensely like geeky and like nerdy mm-hmm. and like distracting. <laughs> To, yes. to, to what I was expecting from the movie. Yes. He's definitely giving a lot of, like, Shia LaBeouf in the first Transformers movie. Um, I think you nailed it right there, yeah. Yeah, like, very, very white, very kind of gormless, like, doesn't really know what's going on um, kind of thing. In my notes on this scene, um, I said... White kid obsessed with kung fu movies. What could possibly go wrong? And then right after that, I said, I realize this movie reminds me a lot of The Sorcerer's Apprentice and Transformers. Um, <laughs> so Transformers in particular, right? Uh, uh-huh. With like the Shia LaBeouf vibes and everything. And we'll probably like, I'll maybe go into that comparison a little bit more because I think that there's like a little bit more to be played with in that sense mm-hmm. of like a kid getting transformed into like this weird almost other world kind of thing and then um the sorcerer's apprentice is one of my favorite movies of all time i think that movie that movie is so campy it makes me laugh but it's only (laughs) campy because we're so far removed from the time that it actually was made like when i first watched that movie in theaters i thought it was the greatest movie i was ever going to see (laughs) like unironically right and so um like, I think a lot of the things that happen in the Forbidden Kingdom are, like, very much products of its time. 
which uh, going straight from that into um, there's like a group of bullies that come out like right after Jason is introduced. And one of the guys just drops like the word chink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Bro, that, that caught me off guard so fuck? hard. <laughs> So hard. In your I notes, I was not ready for it. In your notes, it's ah. They said chink. Ah. <laughs> it's it's just so out of left field because like this is this is not what I signed. Up. I'm still I'm still like mentally coming to grips that the main character is neither Jet Li nor Jackie Chan, right? And then now like, okay, first of all, the acting of the bullies is like really awful like like he's oh, just yeah. over the top it's so bad just like a dick for no good reason right he's just like beating this dude up and it, and, then, <laughs> and then he sees like him like with this bag of like move like uh hong, like hong kong like kung fu movies and it's just like hey doesn't that like belong to the chink like in, in the alleyway or something like that and i'm just like wait 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 wait, wait, wait. hold on Three steps oh. back, three steps back. You can't, you can't just, you can't just like that. And like, I'm not saying that like movies shouldn't like, I, I, I like there are ways to properly use like slurs and like they're like in ways that are like thought provoking, provocative, mean something, right? Like I'm not gonna say like no movie should ever, right? Yeah. But this is not a moment in which it was <laughs> profound in any way. Yeah. No. And that's what <laughs> it I was think. just bad. Yeah, and that's what I think is so fascinating about just, like, language in general is that this movie was made in 2008, but I don't think that what? saying that word was as bad as it was, like, not even 10 years ago, you know? Like, right now, it's considered, like, it's really considered, like, a slur slur, right? But back then, mm-hmm. I think it was just, like, a semi-offensive thing to kind of just say, you know? And that's why it's so casual mm-hmm. and there's no, like, there's no time spent at all like dissecting it because i don't think that it was meant to be like i mean it's meant to highlight like how bad the bullies are Mm -hmm. but also like we didn't really need to see like literally the next scene is one of those kids like shooting the store owner like we didn't need them to drop the (laughs) word chink for us to know that they're like bad people you know what i mean Uh, like i think that this was just part of like the vernacular and it wasn't supposed to be like a bombshell thing but i remember like i i rewatched it um again like i rewatched it for the episode and i did not remember that moment like at all and when it happened i remember like pausing the movie <laughs> and like rereading the subtitles because i was like he did not just say that oh my god but yeah Ooh. no <laughs> that happened <laughs> that was you know, I also suspect that like having like Asian directors helming this film probably also maybe made them a little more comfortable using it than like if if it was like not an Asian director, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which might contribute to why it's like used casually. But I, I still agree with you. It's like you could characterize this this bully character pretty effectively without uh, resorting to having to use racial slurs. Like, yeah, it, it feels not necessary and it doesn't add particularly much to to the movie i i don't, I don't think um, yeah no more i would than agree just with like you. being kind of weird <laughs> yeah um okay so racism alert uh <laughs> <laughs> oops 
So right after that, they basically force Jason to take them back to the shop so that they can like steal cash from the guy who the store owner's name, his name is Hop and Jason calls him Old Hop. And it's kind of made clear that Hop knows Jason pretty well. Like Jason's probably there a lot, you know, hanging out with him, spending time with him. So when they go back to the shop, Jason's like, he comes in and then all the bullies follow him in and then Hop gets shot. <laughs> like Yeah, it's the most jarring thing. Like I don't I don't understand why this dude is just pulling guns like that in this like 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 <laughs> just nothing about the situation warrants that level of violence. Like Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. He's and he like later later in like that scene he like starts like trying to kill uh Jason because like he knows that this is gonna be like a lot of trouble for him because he yeah. just shot a man yeah. right so like this guy like internally knows that like this is a really bad idea but he just like casually just whips out a gun and shoots the guy it's the most jarring thing Th this movie has a lot of very jarring moments in it yeah where like things just like i wouldn't even say escalate things just happen in ways that it's just like not natural about yes. how like things would normally happen yes and i i gotta say too like I I just I, I don't know why they chose him getting shot like and later we find out that he didn't die right spoilers um, <laughs> <laughs> but like why was he killed like He's was that the only the you know like why was that the only way to like raise the stakes of like Jason's escape out of that store or they, they just fridged him for no reason he gets shot <laughs> And he just hands the staff, which, okay, we should probably talk about the staff for a second, but he hands the staff to Jason, and he's like, go, get out of here. And then, like, not you, like, convince me that two seconds later, Jason gives a fuck about Hop getting shot. There's, like, yeah. no emotional <laughs> stakes whatsoever. They literally fridge him, and then it's done. It's, yeah, it's weird. It's bad. Okay, uh, on. do you want to explain the staff situation? What is the okay, staff? So, so at the beginning of the, earlier in the movie, uh, while Jason's at the store, checking out DVDs or whatever, uh, he, like, goes into the storeroom, and, like, he sees the staff, and Hop is like, this is, like, an ancient magical staff that's, like, waiting to be returned to its owner. And, like, it's been passed down until a certain someone finds it so that that person can then bring it to the person who needs it very complicated i guess uh very complicated mail delivery service is essentially what it yes, is yes yes amazon prime but comp <laughs> but like not simple um <laughs> uh, so yeah so fast forward in the movie hop gets shot and like with his dying breath he like grabs the staff and just like gives it to jason it's like you gotta go find the guy who is supposed to be destined to bring the staff to the other guy who needs it so like this is our this is our three-man delivery service thing here going on it's such it's so it's so jarring <laughs> uh so jason takes the staff and he just like bolts out of there onto the roof i guess mm-hmm wait uh, uh <laughs> If I think about it, it's not going to make sense, but he's on the ground floor, right? Like, mm -hmm. how, how yep. did the scene end up yep. with him on the roof? <laughs> don't, don't question it. <laughs> okay, so he's on the roof. If the bullies are it. like, I got to kill you because, like, <laughs> we don't let witnesses here because I just shot a dude for no good reason. Um, 
So he's about to kill. He's about to kill Jason. <laughs> and Jason just falls off the building. I guess the staff pushes him off the building or something. Yeah. Right. Which is just like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then that's and then that's when the movie movie starts proper. Right. Uh, a lot yeah. a lot of like weirdness to get here, but that's <laughs> that's good movie starts proper. Um so with all of that in mind, I'm going to read An's comments <laughs> for this part of the movie. So remember what he just described and let's get into it. So as the bullies are fighting Jason, An says, Okay, very solid kick for a dude bullying another kid for kung fu. <laughs> IDK, I know this is supposed to be dramatic, but I low-key can't take it seriously. <laughs> oh. He's dead. <laughs> is this a fucking time travel movie now? <laughs> um, so... deadpan like oh enter space he's dead is the funniest like, <laughs> textual comedic timing i've ever seen um okay so yeah so we so jason <laughs> jason gets pushed off the roof by the staff like he's holding onto the staff and the staff's like pushing him backwards he falls off the roof and then he like right as he hits the ground he gets like transported back to like ancient China. And so yeah, the 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 Forbidden Kingdom is an isekai movie. <laughs> uh bitch you weren't expecting that. Is this time travel? <laughs> or better yet, isekai. Yeah. <laughs> bitch you weren't expecting that. Uh super jarring, super crazy. Um, and then he's, like, kind of stumbling around a little bit. He's like, I don't know where I am. Can somebody tell me where I am? And then, boom, Jackie Chan. <laughs> yeah. I think that's very accurate. <laughs> that, that, that's actually... That's probably what was written in the script, frankly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you found the script, it would just be, like, confused white dude, boom, Jackie Chan. Boom, Jackie Chan. <laughs> Movie starts proper. <laughs> oh God, no, yeah, so very funny. Um, and Jackie Chan, you know, comes in. He's like sipping on some wine from his little like flask thing, Chinese flask thing, and then he just like rips ass. <laughs> like, wait, that's not the right term for. <laughs> Rips ass is farting. I mean, I mean, he kicks ass. He kicks. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, he kicks ass. And, um, yeah, no, he just comes in swinging and he's, like, really drunk. But the fight choreography, like, makes it seem like he's, like, drunk. He's doing his whole drunken still... fist, like, shtick, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. Um, and on, <laughs> I actually posted this on my story today because it is <laughs> hilarious. But um, on said, okay, the choreography is pretty dope with the drunk guy. Wait, that's Jackie Chan. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> 
which is very like that's so good it's so funny (laughs) (laughs) it really is like boom jackie chan for sure um how did did, i mean you knew that jackie chan was going to be in it but how did you feel about his character introduction uh his character character introduction was pretty cool like it's you know it's it's him like fighting all so like Jason drops into the world. They're being like he's like in the middle of like a, a raid, right? and then Jackie Chan comes in and he just like just starts throwing down. And this is like our first real moment of like choreography in the movie, right? There, there, there was a there was a little bit of it at the beginning in the in the intro, but like it wasn't that impressive. Uh, and then we get here and then Jackie Chan's doing his old like drunken fist thing and he's like really going to town. It was really fun, mm-hmm. right? And then like just <laughs> I I don't know why it took me so long to figure out it was Jackie Chan, but like. <laughs> Of course, the guy doing like crazy martial arts. It, it, it has to either be Jackie Chan or Jet Li. Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> yeah. No. And it's very well done. I will say that the, as ridiculous as this movie does get and as like kind of wonky as the CGI is and everything, like they put in the work to make some really good fight choreography yeah, for this one. The fight choreography is S tier 100%. Mm-hmm. Like I could straight up just watch this movie just for the. Like, like I would YouTube like the fight like the fight clips and still have a good time like like yeah. they're genuinely that good yeah it's very fun just right off the bat um so they meet and jason and then they just like arrive at a tavern that's like the next scene yeah. um and you had something to say about the weird like language thing going on here so uh basically like uh jackie chan jackie chan his his character's name is lu yan but we'll probably call him jackie chan throughout the whole thing um just like i mean like that's that's what this movie's selling you right (laughs) this movie's selling you jackie chan and jet lee like i don't think they even i don't even think they give jet lee's character a name right because like they're really just here for jackie chan and jet lee yeah basically (laughs) i mean he's this jet lee's like the silent monk but nobody really ever calls him like by his name i guess and there is also a reason that he doesn't have a like a, a name name true but that's kind of that a spoiler later. so we'll get to that later but um yeah at one point like jackie chan's like talking at jason and jason's like i don't understand what you're saying and then all of a sudden jackie chan's like that's because you're not listening and then so all of a sudden it's like does jason understand chinese or like what's going on and you had a bone to pick with this so i'd love to hear what you had to say about it I wouldn't say I had a bone to pick with it. I just thought it was, like, probably, like, the weirdest way to just, like, say that he understands Chinese now. Because, like, <laughs> frankly, if if you just had this dude drop in here and, like, he just, like, understood the language, like, it doesn't make sense. But also, I, if you don't draw attention to it, I won't think about it too much. Yeah. Right? But then this movie does this really weird move. It's like, I got to explain it. I got to explain this, like, fantasy concept now. So, like, so like they tried to explain it, but it's, like, the weirdest explanation. It's just, like, Jackie Chan just says, you're just not listening. Right? Like, he's, like, speaking Chinese. The, the Jason's not understanding. And then suddenly, in English, Jackie Chan says, you were not just, li- you just weren't listening. Yeah. So it's, like, if you're going to go for an explanation, don't, like, yeah. don't just hand wave it like that. Like, like, either don't say anything and I'll accept it. <laughs> or like give a good explanation. <laughs> yeah, this is the no. weirdest in between. It's a, it's kind of yeah, it's a pretty strange like switch up, I guess. And uh, you are right. Like the fact that it draws attention to it specifically means that they were like trying to do something with it, but I don't really think it did the thing that it, they wanted it to do. <laughs> it just made yeah, it a like, little bit more confusing. 
I'm totally down for suspension disbelief. If they didn't say anything, I would have just accepted it. Like, yeah, it, it would not have mattered to me. But like, also that creates some really weird implications later for the movie because it's just implying that like all the character that it it implies that all the characters are still speaking Chinese. Now Jason just understands Chinese, right? And once I get to other characters, I'll really have a bone to pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> with it's with how this concept, imp- with what this concept implies. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's I think it's like a weird bit of like lampshading, like unnecessary lampshading, where they were like, should we explain why? And then like in the explanation, it just gets like weirder, I guess. But yeah, no, you're you're right. I think that this was. Like, it's not necessarily something that I noticed, I guess, like, the first time that I watched it, but hearing you mention it and, like, thinking about it more, it was definitely kind of weird that they, like, put a hat on that when they really <laughs> didn't need to. Like, there's there's plenty of other, like, kung fu movies, especially ones that are, like, made in America where, like, no, all no, the no. people... No, 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 we're not comparing this to a kung fu movie, Yeti. We're comparing this to an isekai. <laughs> and there are plenty of other isekai You just drop the character in the world and they know the, and they know the language, okay? Okay, yes, yes, yes. You're right, you're right, you're right. Um... So, yeah, so um, they're in the tavern now, and uh, intense exposition is intense. <laughs> um, yeah, and... I kind of glossed over real hard. It's just like, <laughs> uh, something about, like, there was a monkey king. Was he a king? I don't know. He was a monkey dude. He crashes the banquet of immortality where, like, the immortals are, like, sipping their immortal juice. <laughs> and, like, he's just, like messing shit up <laughs> and the the em- the jade emperor dude he's like okay so like jade warlord's like really like really not cool about it jade warlord just like fuck this guy i want to kill him and jade emperor's like dude this dude's funny like just give him like an elixir and then be on with your day and then he's like yeets out of there because i guess he's just like gonna like <laughs> i don't i don't know oh, i don't remember <laughs> him and his wife just like suddenly are just like I'm not going to be here anymore. They begin their 500 years meditation on get it right. You're right. Okay. <laughs> and he's like, Jade, Jade Warlord, don't touch the monkey dude. Just let him be. He's chill. And then he goes and then he just yeets out of there and just meditates for 500 years and he's gone. Uh, and that's not even the end of the exposition. We're still going. We're still going. We're still going. And then Jade Warlord, like fast forward a bit of time. He's like. I don't really like this Monkey King dude, right? And then he decides to like challenge Monkey Monkey King to a fight. <laughs> and, okay, okay, okay. Tangent for a second. Tangent for a second. Why? Why is Jade Warlord like so hell bent on fighting the Monkey dude, right? Because like the Monkey dude up to this point has only demonstrated that like he is a jokester. He's not being to take. He is not meant to be taken seriously, right? So like getting so riled up about this dude just makes you look like really lame, <laughs> and like. Yeah. You know, yeah. and like even if you, even if you, okay, here, here's here's what I'm thinking in my head, right? Like you challenge Monkey Dude, right? And it's one of two outcomes: you either win the fight, and now everyone's looking at you like, dude, you just beat him, like you just beat up a monkey, like like what the fuck, like you're not that cool, or you lose to the monkey, and now you lost to the monkey, <laughs> right? Like yes. he gains nothing from challenging this fight, but he's so intent on it. Yeah, no, he's really, I. I honestly also like if he hadn't fought the monkey king it would have saved him like a whole lot of trouble later i i I feel like too like i there was really no reason for him to do it i mean other than like some easy villainy right and like sometimes you just need to make the villain do stupid things so that you can get on with the rest of the story but um 
That's I what don't think we, that like I think it's just a commentary on the human condition to need to just do easy villainy. <laughs> that is true. Right? It's, it's a little bit in all of us to just yeah. need to do some just fight some monkeys. Yes, fight some okay? monkeys and fuck some shit up. I will also say that like in terms of character motivations, I think that's something that this movie is just generally lacking. Like all of the characters don't really have a reason to be doing anything that they're doing, which is why I think this movie does suffer a lot. Um but I, I kind of want to draw attention to that with, like, Sparrow in particular, um, mm-hmm. who I feel like the most bones that I have to pick with how this movie did certain things is with their depiction of Sparrow and, like, the kind Me of too. character that she is. Um personally as a self-identified feminist i just can't stand for this so um (laughs) (laughs) no it's just frustrating but i mean like the villain is not safe from this writing mishap right like all the all the characters are confusing in terms of like why are you doing this why are you here why do you care the movie doesn't really take a lot of time to answer any of those questions Honestly, I'm fine with like the villain just being evil for being evil. He's so campy and it's great. It is right? his glitter, what, what, what his glitter eye shadow. Yeah. What I'm just kind of like about like if you're like this like evil dude who's like trying to be taken seriously, like fighting the monkey is just like so lame. Like it just makes you look like such a loser. <laughs> this is right? true. Win, win or lose, you just look like a loser, right? Whereas like if they just like, I, I get it's to move the plot forward, but like if you wanted just to be like a campy evil villain, like. He didn't have to fight the monkey. <laughs> he really yeah, didn't. Yeah. Everything and else about his character gets better from this point on, frankly. Yes. Yeah. It's Yeah. He he's a weird guy. Really nothing he does makes a lot of sense, but like eh, try not to think too much about it, you know? Just just <laughs> eh, you know. <laughs> Move I, on. Honestly, I wasn't even thinking about it too hard. It's just like my gut reaction was just like, dude, you look like such a loser for fighting the monkey. Don't do it. <laughs> For your own sake, man. I'm watching out for so you. Here. Don't lame. fight the monkey. <laughs> you look so lame right now. Just stop it. Just, just, just walk away. Um, no, I totally, I totally get it. And yeah, I would agree. Um, okay, so the villain is introduced, and he's introduced as the guy who basically was the reason why the Monkey King lost his staff in the first place. And so he was basically like the reason that the whole sort of adventure has started. And because of him, the Monkey King was also turned into stone, which is like one of his weird nebulous villain powers that he is that he can turn things into stone. And so, yeah, so the only way to unstone the Monkey King is to bring him back his staff. And so that's the journey that Jason now has to embark on, is getting the staff back to its rightful owner. Um, Which is the mission that Old Hop gave him before he dies, not dies, from getting shot. Um, And so, uh, more on commentary. Uh... (laughs) This dude really thinks fighting a monkey gonna make him look cool. <laughs> if he gets humiliated, this is 100% his fault. <laughs> Jade Warlord is trying way too hard with his magic shit, lol. Um, and yeah. <laughs> I I just love it. I love your commentary on this one. It's really funny. Um, you but also how worked up I was about this whole thing because we just spent it I, I talked about it then I just spent a whole like five <laughs> minutes talking about it like 
this this shit bothered me so much for no good reason <laughs> oh my goodness um uh i will also say like we were talking about fight choreography this fight choreography is pretty cool too um mm-hmm. and this is what i was this is the scene that i was talking about with the music that has like you know that dynamic where whenever the monkey king will do something the flutes will do like this you know really cool kind of playful melody in the background and then when it's the warlord's turn there's like deep brass like brr, and then yeah it was a cool scene to watch <laughs> it was very cool your your reenactment of it was spot on my little brr. i felt it in my bones <laughs> You guys don't have to watch the movie now. You guys, you yeah, got sample it for you. sample right my voice right now and put it in a song. Like I <laughs> <laughs> bet. <laughs> okay, so um, this is how the journey is like starting, and it's cool. Uh, this is all exposition, um, by the way. Like this, this is Jackie Chan talking to Jason in the tavern. All this was exposition. If it felt like we were taking a long time talking about it in the podcast, it's because it felt that long in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Okay, so they're in the tavern. They have the conversation, right? And then uh, suddenly a bunch of jade warlords, like men, like walk into the tavern, right? And like mm-hmm. they want the staff. And now we know why they want the staff. So they're going to throw down now. Yeah. And this fight was actually really fun too. <laughs> uh, I think this is like the first time we really get like like a full like extended fight with like a bunch of people going on and it was like really fun going throughout the tavern i i remember last time when we were talking about crouching tiger uh, we talked about how like fun the the tavern fight was in that movie because like it took over like it was a, such a like large space and they used the setting really well yes right just to have fun with it i think this yes. is a lot of the same thing you know like we got a really yes. big space yes and it allows for a lot of like variety in the fight and like as for like one of the first fights just to be fun and like with no stakes mm-hmm. it it is that you know, it's just a fun, yeah. like, lower stakes fight. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I will also say something that I thought was cute. We keep referencing Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Um, and the movie itself actually references Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dra- Dragon. Mm-hmm. I totally forgot to mention this when we were actually talking about it when we were at that place in the recap. But um, Old Hop at one point says, like, Crouching Tiger, Spanking Monkey. Um, and it's it's totally a reference to that movie. Um, but I thought it was I thought that was funny because um, like <laughs> I just think that specifically there are a lot of. There are a lot of similarities, and while, like, that's obvious because I think Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is, like, a very quintessential wuxia movie, like, even the timing of the bar fight, like, the tavern fight, too, Mm -hmm. um, and the way that it sort of starts happening is, it's very reminiscent of the, of the scene in Crouching Tiger where, um, Oh my god, I forgot her name already. But the main heroine, right, Jen? where she's like fighting her way Jen, there we go. Where she's like fighting her way through the tavern like that. It was very reminiscent of that, just on not even just in like it's just a tavern fight. Like the way that Jackie Chan specifically, I think, fights that fight is very similar to the way that like she did, because it's like borderline comedic type thing <laughs> yeah so also um, like at the end of this fight they're like jumping through the roofs on the wires and stuff like that yeah so you got, like, the, the really springy thing yes. that like crouching tiger was doing yes uh, you know like so- something about this movie i really love is like it wears its inspirations on its sleeves like it's not yes. doing any of this it's doing this stuff out of like love like you know like you can only make fun of something this successfully because you love it enough to like yeah. you know 
yeah, riff exactly. on kind of like the weirdness of it. Exactly. Yeah. So they fight their way to the bar. And then right at the end, when Jason's kind of on the ropes, like he's like hanging from like a balcony or something, a young woman comes in and shoots some knives at his opponents and saves his life. And this is where we meet Golden Sparrow, our third ish main character, I guess. I think that's a very good description, third ish, because like. <laughs> I feel like they're trying to make her main character, but they give her nothing to do. Yeah. So bad. Um, it is not an exaggeration to say that Golden Sparrow spends 90, 90 90% of her on-screen time playing a guitar. <laughs> like, that's that's all she does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or, like, ex- or, like, setting up exposition. Or it, It's, like, 90%... Or having music. flashbacks. Like, <laughs> yeah, 10% flashback exposition. Like, yeah. She's a. Uh, she's, she's not doing great here. Oh, okay, okay. No, no. Like, 9% flashback, 1% throwing knives. Yes. Or thingies. Yes. Um, I think that this is not her fault. I think that she could be a compelling move. Uh, compelling movie. Compare. Com- <laughs> a compelling character in any other movie um but she is sidelined a lot and honestly like her backstory just doesn't have a lot to do with like the actual plot and so it does in a way it's like it does in a way in like a way that's very utility based like like it does not feel natural at all it's like we really want to hit this moment later so we have to have someone say this now yeah Which, like, you should never just use a character for exposition or for, like, a character should never just be, like, a story beat, you know? Because everybody's going to know if they're a story beat because that's what characters that are designed to be story beats do. Like, if you flesh out a character, they can't just be a story beat. Right, but she tends to kind of get sidelined into doing that a lot because the main plot has nothing to do with her backstory. And so what ends up what she ends up being relegated to do most of the time is fight other people's fights for them. <laughs> or play or, music. <laughs> or yeah, apparently play music and give exposition. Um or and I would like attempt to be a love interest. Attempt. Or oh, uh, the God. operative word is attempt. I was gonna bring this up a little bit later, but yeah, no, she is definitely slotted into this weird, like, well, we have to give our main protagonist like a person to pine after, and so she just kind of becomes that for no fucking reason because they those actors did not have any fucking chemistry whatsoever and their lines are dry as hell. Yeah. So, yeah, did not work, I think, the way that they wanted it to, for e- sure. Even for camp, it wasn't good camp either. Like, like, Yeah. It wasn't even, like, so, like, ridiculous that, like, people were having fun with it. It literally was just forced. Like, like it yeah. just should not have been in there. Yeah, bad. Um, I keep forgetting to put in my references to the actual Journey to the West story. So let me catch up real quick and do that. Okay. Um, so Jackie Chan's character, his name is Lu Yan, who is actually a real historical character who is said to have lived 220 years. He was elevated to the status of an immortal by Chinese Taoists, and he's often depicted as a traveling monk who carries a sword that is like a dispel demons sword, which is so fucking cool. Um, <laughs> 
um, and very much reflected in the way that he's portrayed in this movie, which I thought was which I thought was really cool. Um, I think that it's cool that they use like a quote unquote real historical character uh, from like Chinese history because I definitely learned something new when I read about that. So that was cool for sure. Um, so the fight between the warlord and Sun Wukong, that is somewhat canon because the way that the journey to the West kind of begins as well is it didn't just start with Tripitaka. It starts really with Sun Wukong. He was, um, very chaotic. He was definitely a chaotic character and he basically fought his way through the heavens. He like slaughtered the entire Jade army, um, made a lot of problems for the Jade Emperor as well, which is not as much reflected in this movie, I don't think. Um, but when he gets turned into a statue, a stone monkey, that is actually kind of canon um, because the original myth of the Monkey King is that he is a stone monkey who like who gets the winds of yin and yang blown upon him, I think, at some point, and then he turns into a real monkey who is, like, immortal. And I thought that was really cool because I think that that's, like, a interesting way to, like, subvert that myth is that, like, he gets turned into a statue. Like, he existed at one point, then got turned into a statue by somebody else and, like, needs to be unturned into a statue. Like, it's, like, a weird way to play with the canon of the myth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that was interesting um yeah that's like a neat way to have like your own like take on it you know yeah like... yeah um <clears throat> uh, so yeah that that's yeah i'm, I'm gonna Golden try and Sparrow anything have to do with uh or or, so... or is she just like or is she literally just here <laughs> to be a love interest <laughs> yeah that's what um i was gonna get a little bit more into that later but yeah uh there isn't really like a back and forth between the myth and her character specifically so it's kind of hard to like slot her in with any of the characters from the actual journey to the west like story you could make the argument that she's either supposed to be pig or the the youtube channel that i watched that has all of the information on the journey to the west that i watched to research this called him sandy but he's like a demon like a river demon (laughs) But I don't think that, like, either of those characters mesh well with, like, her characterization at all. And Pigsy is, like, a... He's, like, a shape-shifting demon whose, like, main default character setting is, like, a demon pig. So I, I don't think that, like... It's what I got. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Shape-shifting demon shapeshifts into a sparrow. Congratulations. Ooh, we there here. we go. Yeah, you got it. You locked it down. No. <laughs> Um, yeah, and so this is why, like, I'm frustrated a lot by her character, because I feel like there was a lot of, there was a lot of stuff that they had to mess around with from the original myth that they could have, like, made her character into, but they actively chose not to, because they were like, oh, pretty girl, pretty girl need both parents dead, and also the love interest to main character, and that was, like, the extent of her characterization in the movie, so that was frustrating, for sure, but, um, all golden right, so, sparrow ladies and gentlemen <laughs> all right so we've met golden sparrow she like <laughs> killed a bunch of dudes got them out of there no, she killed two dudes and then got them out of there and then like joins we, the like, journey join yeah she joins the journey we flash forward and they're just like traveling and they're trying to figure out what to do and like i'm gonna like tangent for a second to like get to a really major gripe about accents in this movie uh-huh but like okay 
Golden Sparrow has this like really weird stereotypical like Asian accent. And like it's one thing for her to have an accent. That like makes sense on like a technical level because like you know, if you're going to have like native like Asian Asian like speaking people like speak English, like they're going to have accents. That's fine. But like that 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 in itself is fine. That's like not a problem. But like two things to two things that I think really make it extremely weird is that one uh, these characters are like supposed to be like still speaking Chinese. Like I mentioned earlier with like Jackie Chan saying just like you're not listening enough, which implies that he's still speaking Chinese. Uh, Jason just knows Chinese now. So like any dialogue that's happening is like under the presumption that it's in Chinese. Right. Which is like fine with the accents. Like like that, that doesn't bother me. But the really weird thing is like how they wrote her dialogue to be this like really weird like third person bad English type thing going on. Right. And like, and like, there's, there's like a streak in Hollywood of like, or not in Hollywood, but like just like, like pop culture throughout history of like Asian women being like sexualized, infantilized, is am I saying that right? Infantilized. Infantilized. Right. Yes. And like, I feel like that's kind of the only explanation for like this writing choice here. Yeah. Right. Like, like, yeah. she is supposed to be a native speaker, so she should be like speaking so the English that she's speaking should be like fine, like like it like it, yeah. it, it should just like it shouldn't sound. She shouldn't be like speaking the third person and like skipping words and stuff like that. It, yeah, it's it's doesn't make sense because like yeah. she's not actually speaking English. Yes, right? and I will say that I think that they tried to like subvert that at the very end of the movie because like right when she, spoiler alert. She dies in the arms of our protagonist. She finally stops referring to herself in the third person, which is just such a weird fucking creative choice that I do not even know where to start with. But like, no, you're right. And I get I get that a lot from her character of this very like demure, like, (sighs) And there's a part where she's talking to Jet Li's character, too, and he's like, you're just a child, and she's like, no, I'm a woman. And (laughs) her whole thing is like, I want vengeance for my dead parents and everything, but that's very, like, it's very on the nose, I feel like. All of her character interactions with everybody is her, like, either, again, like you said, like, being infantilized or being infantilized by, like, the actual writers themselves, and being infantilized as the love interest of of the movie, yeah, right? like, like, yeah, which is just um, like what the hell is going on there? It's, <laughs> um, it, it's yeah. problematic, kind of frustrating. Makes me really annoyed with like this character, especially when it's like the only thing this character has going for them. Yeah, you know, like like the only thing this character is doing is exposition and like being a love interest right and you're gonna be a love interest don't be a problematic love interest (laughs) yeah no very much so so i i will to i guess give an opposing argument say that like she is supposed to be like uh a countryside like orphan so i guess maybe like she wasn't like properly educated but also you didn't have to write her that way (laughs) yeah Uh, these are all conscious choices that you made to make her speak this way you know like yep it might make sense for the character, but you also didn't have to write the character that way. Yup. 
<laughs> it's it's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. So amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So Golden Sparrow, and we will pick our bones with her a little bit more later as well. Um, but then we meet the silent monk who is played by Jet Li, icon. Yeah. Love him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, he has a really sick fight with Lu Yan, and um, they basically end on a truce. No, 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 no. They Jet Li had a fight <laughs> with Jackie Chan. That's what this movie was leading up to. Okay, no, no, their characters weren't fighting here. It was the actors fighting because this that's is, that's the price of admission here. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. I have made a grave mistake. No, you're correct. Um, is Jackie Chan and Jet Li going fucking ham on each other in a cave? And they basically end on a truce because the silent monk reveals that he's been searching for, like, the staff traveler. And, like, I've been trying to get the staff back to the Monkey King. And then it's, when it's revealed it's Jason, they just, like, stop fighting. Um, and so, lo- yeah. I love it that Jet Li's part where- of the group. <laughs> I love it that moment where, like, he's like, I've been looking for the seeker of the staff. He's trying to bring the staff to the guy who's supposed to bring the staff to the Monkey King, right? And and Jackie Chan's like, you found him. And he just looks at, he just looks at Jason. Right? And like, you just see it in his eyes. It's like, the white guy? Really? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I love how this movie is like totally down to acknowledge that like the presence of this like white dude in this movie makes no sense either. Yup. <laughs> And they have a good laugh about it several times in this movie yeah no they know they know that they're being like weird and facetious but yeah so <laughs> so that happens and it's, it's it's honestly a really like cute scene in a way too um because like you know that Jet Li and Jackie Chan are going to be, like, the bickering besties for the rest of the movie, and you're just, like, pumped for that. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, but so now they're, they now that Jason has two Kung Fu Master teachers, he has, like, started his Kung Fu training to, like, bring the staff back and, like, defeat the Jade Warlord, right? Also, I... And this was a thing in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon as well, but I did not know that, like, monks were supposed to be, like, badass warriors who knew martial arts super well and, like, could open a can of kick-ass just, like, whenever. <laughs> but that's a thing in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, too. Like, the main, mm-hmm. um, the main, like, hero, I guess you could call him, is, like, he's a monk. Like, he took a vow of silence, and but he was also, like, a warrior, and then he was, like, on his journey to enlightenment, but then, like, never actually made it or something. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I wonder when the characterization of monks went from like warrior to and like you see this in like Lu Yan as well um it, like like i said like he was elevated to the status of an immortal by chinese daoists right but uh, he's depicted carrying a s- demon killing sword like since when did monks particularly like asian monks right um get sort of relegated to this like really docile very like peaceful non-violent under any circumstances kind of characterization because i think that's just first of all i think it's boring 
But second of all, I think it's interesting that that happened at some point, and I would love to like hear your thoughts on that, and if you know anything about it. If I recall correctly, and like maybe we'll have to like revisit it next episode after we read more about it. But if I recall correctly, uh, like the the monks, like the Shaolin monks, um, one had a like quite a bit of time on their hands because like the way the lifestyle and like we can talk more about that later but like uh one they had a lot of time on their hands and two like they were under a lot of like pressure throughout history of like invading peoples right because like shaolin monks or monks in general like kind of seem like easy targets to go after when you're like trying to sack places the combination of those two things meant like as like that they kind of needed to develop like modes for like self-defense right which is why a lot of them ended up uh developing like or, or not developing, but, like, practicing and, like, progressing, like, traditional, like, martial arts in those areas. And, like, that's why a lot of, like, the martial, the, the more traditional, like, Asian martial arts that you're looking at, uh, especially coming from, like, the, the China, like, Vietnam, Thailand region, mm-hmm. right? A lot of them have um, roots, like, in monasteries and things like that. Because a lot of them were developed there as, like, their form of self-defense mm-hmm. <clears throat> for, for, like, invading peoples. Because... Mm-hmm. You know, during that time, you get invaded all the time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I... Yeah. That's... That's interesting. That makes sense. That... Yes. Uh, there was yes. a time... I, I I had done martial arts in the past, so there was a time where I knew this better. Where I could speak so confidently <laughs> about the history of this episode. That's okay. That's okay. That you is not now. <laughs> uh, we... I honestly, like, I like talking about things that I don't have much of a metric for because I like to see how correct my assumptions are about certain things. Like, I, like I'll like i be like, why did this happen in history? And I'll be like, I, I'll maybe like this, this, and this reason. And then I'll go and actually do the research and see if I was correct or not. But yeah, like, I, I would love to look more into this, like, weird character switch of monks being characterized particularly also like in the media too of like badass warriors to like peacekeepers and you know all that good stuff but i'm getting off topic a little bit um we'll do a bit of a follow-up to say (laughs) yeah we'll do a bit of a follow-up for sure um and then silver hair long hair whip girl is introduced uh (laughs) Uh, yeah, she's so campy it's so great on on says on just says i love the whip chick her dialogue <laughs> is so bad <laughs> it's very true i think this is when like it really set set in for me that like this movie is just camp because like oh it's so much just the beginning camp. yeah so much of the beginning is like in this weird space of just kind of like not great or really cool kung fu fights right or like like really great choreography right mm-hmm. so like up to this point i was like this movie is just like a poorly written movie with that serves having good fights and then like they introduce this villain and i'm like no this movie's camp <laughs> this is yeah this is this can be so much more fun than i th- initially thought we were going to be having yeah no um and she is so her real name is nichang uh and she is a witch who is so I may have read this wrong or my, I may have like seen it wrong in the subtitles or maybe it was just a mistake. But like basically the Jade Warlord is like, bring me the witch who runs with the wolves. 
And then for the rest of the movie, she has, like, eagle characteristics. Like, every time she fights, like, an eagle <laughs> caws in the background. And I'm like, man, I thought you said wolves. Like, what's going on? Um, Again, I could be wrong. <laughs> I know. I could be wrong, but I think that's what happened. And I was just kind of confused for it. Um, But no, uh, she is just fascinating. Love her. And very attractive, even though her wig is absolutely horrendous. um but uh, i yeah she's really cool uh our first like female character in comparison to sparrow which is this is something that i want to spend some time talking about because i had some things to say about the comparison between these two ladies um yeah so uh i have found often that in general female villains particularly like this one that have magical capabilities or are supposed to be martial artists in some way have this weird like i hate men kind of (laughs) attitude and that's not bad by any means but it feels like this kind of writing is like what i said in my notes specifically which is not the most eloquent way of putting it but i said It feels like feminism is only palatable when it's a woman you're actively rooting against. And I think that that is kind of the point, but I want to like elaborate more on it. It feels like Mm -hmm. when dudes, right, write a woman who is okay with saying things like men are all liars or like, like literally her second line is men always lie. Yeah, she gets yeah. introduced I, I... as a character, and her second line is "Men always lie," and I was like, a little bit on the nose, don't you think? But I, 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 I remember I... hearing that, and my first reaction was, <laughs> "This is what a man thinks feminism is." Yes, <laughs> no, and that's what I'm saying is that I think that like when guys write female antagonists. A lot of times they that that's the only way that they're comfortable writing things like men always lie or like men like I hate men and all this stuff, you know, and especially because this is highlighted very much by the fact that like Ni Chang is the only other female character other than Sparrow. Sparrow, who has been again, like she's very docile. She presents as like a very, you know, young, demure, like Ni Chang is a witch and she's like hot and everything, but also like she has gray hair. Um, that's like her whole thing is that she has like silver hair. And so you can take the iconography of like having a young woman with like black hair, you know, still in her prime to like a witch with silver hair. Like she's like, you know, she's not she's not an old actress, but that's like a very clear like that's like iconography of like an older woman, right? Is like having all gray hair. Mm-hmm. And so there's these like little things that I feel like I picked up on with Nichang's character, especially in comparison with Sparrow, that I felt like was just such clear markers of like what writers are comfortable doing with female antagonists versus like female protagonists and what female antagonists can do to be quote-unquote unpalatable and what like female hair like female heroes have to do to be palatable for like a wider audience right like it's very clear that when you have a female antagonist 
she could really say whatever, do whatever, but she has to have very other specific characteristics, right? Whereas, like, mm-hmm. the female hero, she has to be very... She has to be, like, the picture of divine femininity, or else it's not going to really work. At least from, like, most men, male writers, I feel like this is the truth. But, yeah, I don't know if you notice any of those things, but I... Yeah, you're exactly right. Like, when she says, like, all men are liars, I'm like, this is what men think feminism is. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah. (laughs) Also, it's definitely at this point where Sparrow speaking in the third person gets fucking weird. Yeah. (laughs) Especially with, like, directly, like, juxtaposed to to this character. Uh, Also, something weird about this character too i think what you said is much more profound but i'm also going to say something that i think was really weird is that like this character like switches in the movie between speaking chinese and english and like when she's not around jason she speaks chinese but when she's around jason she speaks english but i thought early in the movie we established that everyone was speaking chinese and it's just that jason understands english so Mm -hmm. like what's going on with this writing i I don't understand Uh, it is a fucking anomaly is what's happening it's yeah it's it's so weird sorry i got distracted what you you asked me like like what how what did i think about it and like i i didn't catch what i i didn't didn't really catch like like what what you're talking about with like how like the only way like feminism in this movie was like portrayed to be palpable was by putting it in the villain and like giving no such like treatment to that quote-unquote female lead <laughs> yep. uh, of, of the movie and I, I think that's really interesting and i think that really speaks to something about like uh the movie as a whole I, at the end i want to talk about why i think this movie has prop the problems that it has uh so i'll, I'll kind of say that for the end but mm-hmm. i think a lot of the problems like i think this is very related to kind of all the problems that that, that we've been like pointing out with this movie yeah um, um and so we keep going, introduced though. oh yeah go ahead before we keep going, I want to I want to like scramble back for a second, and like get to the point where so so they're doing like their whole training thing, right? And then like yeah. suddenly the scene cuts, right? And now we're like at a pl- we're at like a little hut, and then there's like these two hanged dudes, right? Oh and yeah! Like, oh, this is this is the 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 t- tyranny of the Jade Warlord. So like we had a really fun training thing, and then suddenly we're talking about the tyranny of the Jade Warlord, right? Yes, um, and like, and like, it's supposed to be really dramatic and all that, and then Golden Sparrow starts like expositioning, like out of nowhere. Yeah, she's just like, yeah, I I'm an about orphan, this. and I my parents were killed. <laughs> and then we get a flashback about how like her her mom like was like lowering her into a well, and she's like, then my mom got shot by an arrow, and I was like, you're in a well. How did you know your mom got shot by an arrow? <laughs> and then, and then. We come back and she's like, and this is why I'm going to kill the Jade Warlord with this. And then out she pulls like a hair stick out of her, out of her <laughs> hair. hair. And she's like, this is the only thing that can kill an immortal. So earlier in the movie, it was like, the reason why the monkey got turned into stone is because you can't kill an immortal. You can only turn him to stone. Except now, <laughs> except now, yeah. the only thing that can kill an immortal is this hair stick that she has. And we don't know how she got it. Right. Okay, and yeah. then she tells the story, and then the best thing happens. The son, Jet Li walks up to her, and he's like, be careful. Vengeance rebounds. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in my notes. In my notes. I'm literally like, yeah, dude. Vengeance rebounds. 
if she gets killed when she throws this thing and it rebounds and kills her. <laughs> okay, please tell me that's what's gonna happen. Please. Vengeance rebounds, guys. Vengeance rebounds. It's so on the nose that it's it's funny, but it's also not funny. Like it's it's a whole uh, I can't but, tell this is camp or just bad writing. It's 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 all about both. Um, no, I I also I totally forgot to like talk about this, but um, yeah, like Golden Sparrow's backstory is really out of place in the pacing of the movie. Like even you said this, you said like this random spot for Golden Sparrow's backstory is oddly placed. Like they were training a second ago and she hadn't been doing anything, and now we're getting into her backstory. Man, the dialogue is kind of bad. Like that is those like five lines like epitomize this entire interaction between Golden Sparrow and like the other warriors that she's been traveling with for like I would assume at least a couple of weeks now because at this point Jason is like pretty prolific at doing martial arts. And so mm-hmm. it's it's yeah, it's it's weird. So uh yeah, something else that I did want to say is that like Golden Sparrow's backstory in particular is supposed to be like one of the first emotionally vulnerable moments that she has, and I think the way that they paced it and placed it makes us more uncomfortable and makes us also as an audience be like, Oh my god, like why does this even matter at this point? And that's not how you wanna do a backstory. You should never like you should never make a backstory like like if you're if your audience is like reacting that way to something, which I would assume you kind of did as well, considering that you did like make a comment about like the oddly paced and like, mm-hmm. you know, they were like, we were just in the middle of training a second ago. Like, why is this happening? Right. Like you should never have your audience asking those questions because at the end of the day, what that's going to do is it's going to make us want to be out of that story beat faster. And if that's the only emotionally vulnerable moment she's had in the movie up till then, then you did it wrong right this it's it's wrong you you failed and they failed at this they failed at making her a compelling enough character where we were like yes i care enough about you that i want to like know why you're on this journey like at this point she's been on the journey for weeks you know like we don't like you're here now and you've been here for a while at this point in the movie probably like 30 like 15 30 minutes like we know you're here. We don't really need at this point, like a more of a reason for you to be here. Like we have accepted that you are here. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and she's honestly probably the least interesting character as far as like who I want a backstory from at this point, which like, that's not her fault because I do think that like a, a simple, like orphan girl having this like ambition to kill the Jade warlord is like, honestly makes more sense than fucking jason being the fucking staff warrior like what the fuck like i think her character motivation makes way more sense but the way that they wrote it and the way that they did it and like put everything together just did not work it's it's bad they did it badly period also something to note about like the emotional vulnerability i think you're really right here um that this was like kind of jarringly her like moment to be emotionally vulnerable even though like we barely got anything of her before this yeah like they also use it as like the cue for like to try to start pushing some romance here you know like she's emotionally vulnerable so jason's like trying to comfort her and it's like why are you like like if you guys listen to the podcast you already kind of know that like 
I kind of have a bone to pick with like making everything romantic because like I think it kind of sends the wrong <laughs> message, right? Where it's like pe- people yeah. should probably like learn sometimes the solution to your problem is like figuring out how to be alone, and that's a good thing. And also, like the solution to all your problems is not kissing, like yeah it's not like you don't need a girlfriend right like why does every journey have to end that way like why does every protagonist need like some girl from the from the world that he's gone into like in the isekai right like why does he need somebody to fall for him like also like like jackie chan is there like jet lee is there you're telling me that this girl chose fucking jason tripitakis over jet lee and jackie chan nope Nope. <laughs> N- no. 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 That's the biggest pothole in this whole fucking movie. Okay. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't give a fuck. That is ridiculous. And I know that Jason, that not Jason, I know that Jackie Chan is dressed to look like a hobo, and I know that Jet Li doesn't have any hair. I don't give a fuck. Like, you're telling me that this girl chose f- fucking Jason. Over no no no. Okay, no. I'm I'm gonna cut this out. I'm gonna cut this out. Right <laughs> but but between the inspector from Superman Smash the Clan, Jet Li, and Jackie Chan, this podcast has really revealed your affinity for older men. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare cut that out. Leave it in. <laughs> I'm single, guys. <laughs> oh my god. That is hilarious. <laughs> That's cursed. Okay, moving on. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um so your comments on this section is also really funny. Um White boy better not become romantically involved with Sparrow by the end, because their chemistry is nothing. But the movie is trying so hard. And for me, I said the chemistry is not chemistrying. <laughs> I think that's very accurate. Work. Yeah, it it's just not, doesn't it's work. Not. Like they have no interactions throughout this whole movie, and then suddenly he's like trying to like I, I don't. It's it just doesn't work. They they see. I shouldn't have. Cause the movie like, wouldn't find it. They didn't, frankly. Yeah, and also I feel like the fucked up part about that as well is that, like, it's very clear that, be- again, because Sparrow is such an underdeveloped character and th- even the characters around her don't know her very well, it's very clear that Jason only likes her because he's like, ooga booga, pretty girl. Because he doesn't <laughs> know anything about her. We that don't know true. anything about her. So that's also why, like, not- it doesn't make sense in story, right, that he likes her, but also, like, it doesn't make any sense to the audience why he likes her, which like you gotta have at least one for a story beat to like that to work, especially if it's a romantic interaction. And the fact that it has neither just means that it falls flat on its fucking face. So yeah. there we go. <laughs> All right. If you so came I here for the so. romance, you're you'll be disappointed. <laughs> um I guess we try to catch back up to the plot. Where were we? Um, yes, so we are at the... The, uh, um, the whip chick attacks them, and then yes, like they fight, and they yes. can't win, so they like start they running run away. away. And this is like, my favorite part of the movie. He just like 
they're, they're running away they're on horseback they're running away and then it just cuts to the whip chick and she just holds out her hand and then they put a bow in her hand and then they put an arrow in her other hand and she just like shoots an arrow out of nowhere <laughs> apparently she's an archer now <laughs> I thought that was just like so out of left field and so weird and so campy. I love it yes. so much. <laughs> I I also just love that like it's very clear that they wrote her to kind of be like in a league of her own and she has like magical powers. She's supposed to be like a witch, right? And so it's just funny that she has like an army she that she brings with her which is like why they end up getting away in the first place. Is it like she attacks them? has success attacking them, stops attacking them, and then tells her army to kill them. They, like, fight with the army, and then they, like, get on their horses and they run away, and then she gets handed the bow and arrow, like, by her army members, and then she ends up hitting Lu Yan with an arrow. And I'm like, why didn't you just start with that? <laughs> like, if that was, like, a, if... If yeah. there was a possibility that that was going to work, like, why didn't you just do that to begin with? It's so weird. If you're that good of a sniper. Yeah, exactly. You should have started like, with it. <laughs> you could have been up on another hill and they wouldn't have even seen you coming. But no, you presented yourself to them in this, which, by the way, they're, like, fighting in, like, a cherry blossom field. Very cool fight, by the way. It is a very I cool fight. It a lot. But it's very, very cool aesthetically fight. pleasing. But, like, you presented yourself to them in the cherry blossom field and then, like sniped this man while he was on horseback running away like you could have hid you could have hid and they would all be dead <laughs> so close you're so close so close <laughs> all right so uh jackie chan is now like dying there's an arrow in his back uh and they're like what are we gonna do and then like oh, no. a little monk a little monk kid shows up and they're like cool cut they're in a monastery now jackie chan's still dying yep it's weird. Um, yeah, it's weird. And then, like, up to this point, we thought Jackie Chan was an immortal because, like, Golden Sparrow called him, like, the drunken immortal, and he didn't really correct her on that. So they're like, he'll be fine, right? As long as he, like, drinks his, like, elixir, which is his wine, he'll yeah. be okay. Yeah. Uh, turns out, I guess he wasn't lying. He just never corrected anyone about it. Yeah. <laughs> turns um, out he wasn't an immortal, and he is very screwed. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I, I just think that that's, like, such a cool reference back to his, like, uh, historical character as well, like, the myth of Lu Yan, who, like, lived for 220 years, right? Like, mm -hmm. I, I think it's, like, a very cool reference, and, like, I think whoever did write this m movie at the end of the day, even if they didn't, like, characterize everybody as well as they could, like, it's clear that they did their research and, like, had a story that they wanted to convey, even if they didn't do it, like, in the best possible way but yeah like i i thought that was cool um but now also, basically like oh yeah go ahead also i think like during this scene there's like some really poignant moments where like jason's trying to figure out how to save him and he's like i'm not actually an immortal like and then he's like it's a little philosophical and he's like you know like what's the point right like like i actually would rather not be an immortal because like you don't want i don't want to like watch everyone die like all the people i love die around me yeah. right and like he gets a little into like buddhist philosophy too where he's like you know like clinging on to life is only going to add to suffering it's actually just better just to like detach yourself right and not try to strive for that and like be happier so like he seems pretty at peace with dying here yeah <laughs> yeah i also did think it was funny that like um there's a part where uh they think at least at the beginning that like Jackie Chan's one of the eight immortals and each of the eight immortals has like an like a personal elixir and they think that like wine is his personal elixir um 
and so Jason is like, we need to get him some wine, like, he's dying. And um, <laughs> one of the monks at the monastery that's taking care of him is like, we will send a walking monk. And Jackie Chan wakes up, and he's like, can you send a running monk? That was really funny. I really like that. Um, and so, yeah, no, Jason then eventually, like, decides that he's going to, like, give the staff to the jade warlord so that he can get the immortal elixir to save his friend's life oh no um, wait, 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 wait. Th- th- there's a really great moment here where he's like all sad and he like walks out to the balcony and he sees golden sparrow and golden sparrow's like oh god i met you yeah. in the tavern you're like just a boy or something like that <laughs> but now you're like a man that i want to fight alongside right? <laughs> and and like and i was just like okay cool and then it gets worse right and then and then we get to this moment where he's like talking to this uh, Jet Li and he's like, I need to go get the elixir. And Jet Li's like, no, you're going to like fucking die if you go get the elixir, <laughs> right? So like it's really setting up this like whole thing where it's like, I'm going to go save my friend, my my, my, my my mentor, right? So like uh, Jet Li then walks into like the room and he sees the staff is gone, right? Symbolizing that Jason has like bailed out and he's going to like get the elixir, right? And I was like, this whole time, I was like, you know, if we're going to be cliche, let's be cliche, right? This girl just told you that she's going to fight alongside you. You're having a whole conflict about going off alone to fight. Right? I was really expecting, like, that whole scene running away, like, that, that she was going to go with them. And she just didn't. And I was like, why would you put that scene there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only reason that scene was there was for bad romance. <laughs> yeah, no, you're totally right. I did not connect those two things. I just thought it was, like, a weird, cheesy moment where she was just like, I want to, like, you know, like, saying, like, I want to fight alongside you as, like, a cop-out for not saying, like, I want to, I want to fuck you. I want to fight with you. Like, what? <laughs> His dilemma in the very next scene is that he's going to go fight alone. So, like, so like, if you put those two scenes next to each other, the implication should be that, like, the solution to this whole dilemma would be, I, I guess not. But, like, they, can't, they can't even get bad, they can't even get bad writing right. You know, like... <laughs> no you're correct it's no it's so weird and again like i said like it's very jarring you know there's just like a lot of stuff that happens where you're just like what the fuck this doesn't make any sense and i i think that's one of them as well (laughs) um all right so he's like in the warlord's palace now yeah rode out there alone because he's gonna save jackie chan even though jet lee doesn't want him to and he like gives the the staff to he's like jade warlord I'll give you the staff. You give me elixir mortality. We can be cool here. Right. And like, I love this scene so much because Jade Warlord is just like. He's so chill with it. Honestly. He's he's like hamming it up in this role. Like he's having so much fun. Oh, yeah. Just like being evil. And he's like, huh, you know what? You're right. This is a very good deal. But I also did promise. um, uh, I did also did promise which lady here that I would give her the elixir. So there's only one thing we can do now. A fight to the death. And you like, guys have to fight each other. I loved it the whole time because I knew exactly where I was, where it was going. And like the whole time, it's just like, I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. Yep. Fight. <laughs> say it, say it, please. He does. I love it so much. He is, you can, and again, like you said, you can tell that actor is just having like the time of his life. He's wearing like black glitter eyeshadow. <laughs> and rocking like, it. yeah, he's no, he's, his costumes like decked out in gold and like, 
he's he's having the time of his life um so yeah no the rest of the movie is basically just like one long fight scene so we don't really have to get into like the nitty-gritty details of that but i i will also say something that i did think that was like very ironic about this scene is that even though the witch ni chung she's like men always lie blah 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 she seems like genuinely hurt that the <laughs> jade warlord does not just give her the elixir and that he like lied to her i read he... that as excited that she wants to fight this guy <laughs> really no because like she was like but master like i did the thing and he was like well you didn't actually give me the staff like the kid is the one who came with the staff so like you have to fight him and then she's like okay with pleasure but also, like, that's just not, that doesn't line up with what we've, like, seen. Like, again, like, men always lie. Really, girl? And you didn't see this coming? Like, mm. Actually, you know. Talking about that, like, she is, like, men always lie. And she has, like, a lot of, this, like, anti-men rhetoric throughout the whole movie. But she doesn't actually really have a particular bone to pick with any men in this movie. Like, like, she, like for someone who's coded as, like, really anti-men, she's not particularly trying to kill any of the men she's just trying to get the staff yeah and she's not like hostile towards the jade warlord in particular either like she doesn't like she doesn't like lash out at him and try to kill him when he doesn't give her the elixir right like um it's just yeah like and most of her other dialogue is like very much her and golden sparrow right like like a lot of her fights are her versus golden sparrow there's a lot of dialogue if she's not talking about how much she hates men, she's actually mostly just talking about Golden Sparrow. Yeah. That is so weird. <laughs> we love Bad that bisexual icon. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think that, like, um, I just think it's weird that she's, like, like the math isn't mathing for me in that scene. Like, if I was writing that scene, I would definitely have her. I mean, and this isn't, like, the best choice either because I think the best way to have written the scene in line with, like, her character, what we've seen so far, is that, like, she had a backup plan. And when he stabs her in the back, she manages to get something from him, even though, like, she doesn't get the elixir or something, right? Either, like, she fights him to the death, mortally wounds him so that the heroes can win or, like, have a chance to win. And and so, like, redeeming herself or, um, like, she just fights him in general to try to get the elixir out of his hand or she does, like, a self-sacrifice. Like, I I think there's, like, so many ways that you could have played this that are still in line with this, like... I don't like men thing, but instead she just channels all of that towards Jason, who hasn't really done anything to her to, like, warrant this, like, reaction or this, like, fight at all. Um, I think so, you're right. Yeah. I think you're right that that would make better writing. But we're also writing camp here, so, like... <laughs> yeah, we are writing camp. And I do think they needed a reason to, like, get Jason warmed up for the fight. Um, which is, like, kind of funny, too, though, because he doesn't really do most of the fighting. Like, he does the first half of it with the witch. But then, like, Jackie Chan and um, Jet Li come in, and then it's, like... And then the Monkey King wakes up, and then for the rest of the fight scene, it's really, like, the four of them just, like, fighting one another yeah. or fighting other people. So, like... Um, Jason's fighting uh, the witch. She beats him down real hard, and suddenly we have like the whole cavalry scene where like yeah, everybody the, comes in. Yeah, like the monk Jack Jackie Chan comes in. Uh, Golden Sparrow comes in, and then also for some reason all the kid monks too. That was weird. <laughs> uh, right, that was and then, weird. Like, 
Yeah, and then we get our like big fight. Jackie Chan gets to like sort of immortality, which I thought was kind of weird because a moment earlier, Jackie Chan was like super okay with dying, and he was like spouting all sorts of pretty decent philosophy about like death and mortality. And then he just drinks the elixir, which like it's kind of weird to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then like they get the group fight, and then they break up the smaller fights, and then this is where like m- my favorite piece of dialogue in the whole movie happens. <laughs> the Golden which Sparrow splits off with uh with 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 the witch. <laughs> And Golden Sparrow, remember, she's talking in third person this whole time, right? So she's like, she will kill you, witch, right? And the witch oh immediately responds, Oh my god, yes! Not if I, not if I kill you first, oh orphan bitch! bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's so extra! That's so extra! You did not have to go there! Not, not have to go there! Why did you do that? No, it's literally... It's oh so, my god. It's so fucked up! Oh. But it's so great! That's oh like my the epitome God. of camp <gasps> in this movie. <laughs> no, it's so good though because because you don't you don't see it coming. You don't see it fucking coming. Like I did not expect. Like also like the word bitch is like that's like a that's so English. That's such an English thing to say. Like I don't. <laughs> It was so funny, and I also just love that it rhymes. It has really good rhythm to it, you know. Like yes. what the fuck, though? Well, like she will kill Paul, you. You're an wish. orphan was already extra enough, but no, you had to go with orphan bitch. Orphan bitch, yeah. Um, I my my comment on that was that is the campiest fucking thing I have ever heard. <laughs> so much. Yep, that, it that is. movie. That movie knocks it up a uh, one letter grade. That, yep. that line, those two lines, <laughs> one letter grade up. I don't care where where we end up. I'm going one letter grade up. <laughs> it's so good though. It's so good. Um, definitely one of my favorite scenes. Um, I also love that you were like, "What the fuck, LMAO? Who wrote that?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, do you want to talk about the vengeance rebound? <laughs> <laughs> so. As we recall, as we recall, at a very obvious point in the movie, she's talking about her backstory. She's like, I'm going to use my hairpin to, to throw it at this guy and kill him. And then Jet Li is like, be careful, vengeance rebounds. So we get to the moment where she's staring, where she's staring the, uh, the, uh, the Jade Warlord down the whole, uh, she's staring the Jade Warlord down and she pulls the hairpin out of her hair. And like the whole time, I'm just like, yes, vengeance rebound, vengeance rebound, vengeance rebound. <laughs> And she throws it at him, and then guess what happens? He like force Does pushes the it back. Vengeance rebound. <laughs> vengeance rebounds. The vengeance rebounded. Vengeance rebounded. And I was like, "This is this is the greatest writing I, I, I've ever seen." Brilliant. Yep. Yep. It's brilliant. It's so good. It's so campy. It's awful. I hated it. This. Um. This is how you tie back your story. This is this this is. 101. Foreshadowing 101. 101 good writing. <laughs> Chekhov's gun. Check. <laughs> I also love that your thing was uh, Vengeance Rebound. The movie in this right, the writing in this movie, too brilliant. A plus, 10 out of 10, no notes, beautiful. <laughs> they really Very did funny. that. I know I should be sad, but I cannot stop laughing. I'm terrible, <laughs> lol. <laughs> oh my god yeah so um a few things happen uh, basically like everything gets resolved um there's actually like a really cool 
twist where we find out that the silent monk was actually like a he was like a uh he was like a offshoot or like a copy of the monkey king which we see him do that at the very beginning of the fight with the jade warlord mm-hmm. at the very beginning of the movie where he like duplicates himself into like something else with his hair which is actually canon in um the journey to the west story is that there is a um there's like a it's basically called like the cart kingdom uh arc of the story where um he like saves a bunch of buddhist monks from this like uh like bad taoist kingdom and um he gives each of them a piece of their hair that turns into like a copy of him as like a guardian protector so that's actually like canon in the story and it's kind of a crazy like twist i will say like when the monkey king comes back to life when he has his staff and the silent monk is like looking up at him and he smiles and then disappears into a mirage and turns back into hair i was like damn that's kind of good that's That's kind of good wait it's kind of crazy how that piece of good foreshadowing was right next to vengeance rebound yeah (laughs) (laughs) apparently they can write good foreshadowing and they just like like, actively chose not to when it came to sparrow specifically (laughs) um no yeah so that was that was actually kind of cool and i was like i was like you know that like leonardo meme where he's like staring at like he's like pointing at the tv screen and he's like wait Mm. i know that reference that was me when i watched this i was like i know the hair thing i know what that's from also both the monkey king and the silent monk are played by jet lee so that makes a lot of sense yeah it was yeah, it was really cool this is kind of like yeah, a I was, level and stuff so at first i was like oh jet lee's the monkey okay cool and then i was like oh they've stoned the monkey so like they gotta like make a new character for jet lee because we're not gonna have jet lee in this movie and not use him right? yep. and then having it tied back to the monkey king i was like oh it wasn't them just creating a new character just to have Jet Li in the movie, you know? Like, I, I thought it was a corporate decision. It was not. It was actually kind of, like, a really cool thematic decision. Yeah. All right. So... <laughs> so we're basically... Over... That's basically the end of it, honestly. That's, like, where all the interesting things stop happening. No, 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 no. I have one more. <laughs> oh, God. No. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> So he finished. So Jason finishes his isekai arc. He gets sent back, right? That's all cool. I guess Jackie Chan's an immortal now, and Jet Li's a monkey. Um, and then we go back to the Jet real world, Lee's a right? <laughs> <laughs> we go back to the real world, or, or or I guess like Jason's world, right? And then like he wakes up, and like the bullies are right there, right? Oh, and then God, they like start yeah. beating him up, right? And I was like, yep. okay, I know where this is going vengeance rebounds right oh <laughs> right? my god the, the theme of the movie is that vengeance rebounds and like you shouldn't seek vengeance right so then he like he's getting beat up and then he's like starts breaking out a little bit of kung fu and i was like okay but he's gonna like beat the guy and but he's gonna spare him at the end no he just keeps beating the dude yep <laughs> he just lays out the bully and i was like wait <laughs> Vengeance rebounds. Why is he taking vengeance? I thought did he not learn his lesson from Golden Sparrow? I think that like I think that the last part of this movie is literally just fantasy fulfillment for white guys who wish they knew kung fu so that they could beat up their old school bullies. You like know, that's it. A, a true hallmark of an isekai. <laughs> true. They nailed it. But no, I think that at the end of the day, that this movie is fantasy fulfillment. You also see this like. 
So basically, at the end of like the fight and everything, Sparrow dies. But then when he goes back to the real world, there's a girl who looks just like her, and she is like <gasps> alive technically, and she works at another pawn shop called, you guessed it, the Golden Sparrow. And so it's like it's literally just it's literally just like wish fulfillment. I think at the also, end of the day, Pop's not dead. Oh Pop yeah, is, like, Pop's on a stretcher, is alive. And he's like talking and like he looks like Jackie Chan, and it's like. You okay, know what's kind of crazy? What? Hops is played by Jackie Chan. Oh, <gasps> really? Yeah. It makes so much sense now. Yes. That's like why he keeps making like immortality jokes and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. It's, um, it's just so it's just so like on the nose. About it is it, very know? on it's the like... nose. It's very corny. There's a lot of corn going on. Um but no, yeah, it's it was a good movie overall. I have some bones to pick about the characterization and stuff, but overall, it's just like a fun, it's just a fun romp, you know. And you don't like you shouldn't really think too hard about it. I mean, we think too hard about it because we're us. But if you just watch the movie just for like fun, it's fun. It's very fun. I've said it several times. This movie is probably gonna get better with alcohol and friends. <laughs> <laughs> One of those things. And like that's not an insult. Like like some things genuinely like 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 I think like when you say like drink and like watch a movie like it kind of sounds like a bad thing but i'm not even really saying it's a bad thing i'm saying like this is kind of a, a really enjoyable thing in that way and it was kind of probably meant to be enjoyed in like a similar way or where it's like camp don't take it too seriously don't think about it too hard like don't worry about yeah. it yeah you know? yeah also <laughs> if you do drink during the movie you'll be drinking technically with jackie chan because he's drinking the whole fucking time so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i genuinely really enjoyed it uh, I did mention earlier that I did want to talk about like some of the reasons why I think like this movie was really bad, uh, and I guess now's <laughs> the best time to talk about it. Let's get into so, it. So like, then. so so, I feel like this movie is probably bad because of like some weird like weird ass like corporate meddling or like Hollywood like mainstream appeal or something like that, right? Because like yeah. at the core of this movie, I think you have like a really great love letter to the types of things that came before. You talk about all the great parallels that it has between between um this and like journey to the west right all the great references it has to like old school like shaw brothers movies uh wuxia movies or like the hong kong kung fu movies right like yeah it's really synthesizing a lot of things out of love here and it genuinely when and those parts land really well right and yes, now we think about do. the things that aren't working about this movie right it's like the oddness of jason being a white dude in this movie that's like kind of a retread of a chinese myth so why is jason white it's really distracting um yeah. golden sparrow's introduction right she's not really in the the original books right and like her love in like her love interest like stuff is really forced you have like this weird like thing going on with with like uh the witch like hating men and stuff like that like right and it yeah. really tells me and 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 the thing that i think that really tips me off to this being like a corporate slock problem or mainstream appeal problem is that like this is a movie starring jackie chen and jet Li, right like you you have these two actors in a in a in a kung fu movie during this time right you're banking on it being a blockbuster and i really think like all these like odd elements that we've been pointing out are just things that like are kind of what hollywood expects from like general like mainstream like schlock you know like like yeah. you gotta have like the white protagonist you gotta have like the love interest even though it makes no sense right right if yep. we allude to feminism it's only going to be in this very specific way that doesn't really make sense nor serve the movie in any way Right. And like, it kind of feels tragic in a certain way because like everything else about the movie works so well. And it's like, you can clearly tell that like all of these other things are just like in service of making the movie like 
a blockbuster hit, right? Yep. Because like if we're gonna spend money on Jackie Chan and Jet Li in the same movie, we're gonna have to like compromise on certain things and make the movie kind of low key worse, yeah. right? In order to like guarantee our return on investment. And like the thing is, this movie was a blockbuster success. Yep. Right. I I totally agree with you. I think that um, thinking about it in that way just makes a lot more things make sense. Um, but at the end of the day, like this is a piece of media, and if you're taking all of that stuff aside and analyzing just as it is without the corporate meddling and everything, um, there are a lot of things that don't make sense, and that's not good, right? Um, you your story and the compromises that you have made in your story should never be explained by like. There was a outside force meddling with my creative abilities, right? And that sucks because that's how I think a lot of things happen. Um, it's mm-hmm. like you see it a lot in like Marvel movies and stuff too, right? Like they're like so they get really Ooh. close, really fucking close to making a point, and then somebody was Give like, me mm, my "Too day. liberal, mm, too <laughs> liberal." No, 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 take it back. And it's like, fuck, dude. Um, uh, and again, bro, like with the bro, fem- Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Black Panther. Oh, oh I want to have, I want to, so, so much. I want to talk oh about that. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll do those. We'll do those eventually. We have to, we're probably going to do like a Marvel, Marvel thing, even though <laughs> there is no Asian superheroes in Marvel for us to really talk about, except for Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. There's literally nobody. Um, and like maybe Scarlett oh, Johansson. But <laughs> I think also Sony wants to do a silk thing, which makes me so nervous because like oh yeah, silk, very nervous because we know her character. backstory. We yeah, like like it's not just that like like <laughs> the comic community has largely gone over silk backstory. We'll talk about this another day. But the comic community has largely gone over how problematic silk's backstory is. Sony, on the other hand, I do not have any faith to be able to handle this attack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you are probably right. There's just a lot of like bombs in that particular story that I feel like they will probably not be able to handle with a lot of grace. But anyway, you know. But they also did. They also did into the Spider Verse. So it's like it's this really yeah. weird thing about like I'm it's biting like, my nails. Can you do it? It's either into the Spider Verse or it's Morbius. But oh, it's Morbius with a race fucking bang. God, and I'm Morbius! No, <laughs> no. Um, God, Morbius is so fucking bad. Anyways, anyways, anyways. So we're getting off topic. Ah, um, we'll do we'll do our superheroes thing. We did uh, Superman smashes the clam, but we'll do some more stuff um, concerning comic books and everything and their impact. But um, and again, like we could tie this back into like the Wuxia thing, right? Like martial arts movies, like fighting films, right? Fighting as entertainment has always been. A big thing and I don't think it's any less it's getting any less that way I think that nowadays we look for more gratuitous things we look for things that are more intense more artistic that's why John Wick blows up every time a new movie comes out because it's like the fight choreography in those movies is fucking insane can you tell me a single thing that happens in any of the actual plot lines of the John Wick movies no it's just vibes you're just going to the theater <laughs> to watch Keanu Reeves rip ass kick ass god damn it <laughs> not learn your lesson god I'm sorry damn it. i'm sorry you kick ass <laughs> on a bunch of like random faceless goons you know and if you're watching this particular movie if you're watching the forbidden kingdom because you want to watch jet lee and jackie chan like go at it in a cave or you want to watch like 
some really campy but really good fight choreography and like have a little laugh and like maybe be drinking with your friends right like this is a good movie um but to be honest with you there are a lot of things wrong with the way that they wrote certain things and the way that they have presented certain characters and i think that there is just on a meta level like a lot to be improved here um we talked a lot about um sparrow and the in the comparison with her and ni chang um and we talked about this in a crouching tiger hidden dragon as well but like the comparison between jen and her own mentor right uh jen as like this very sort of young yet rebellious but uh, again mostly young beautiful uh young girl who is like very impressionable and trying to like find her own way in the world versus like this older more experienced who is also a witch might i add right um woman right and they are like in competition with each other basically the entire film and to be honest with you I think in the Forbidden Kingdom like you could say that that kind of comparison and that kind of clash is like subtle enough that honestly I think it might just be like a side effect of watching enough wuxia movies where the writing like that is just like a subtle subconscious copycat of what they found before Mm. I I don't even think they did the bad female writing thing on purpose um if they did kudos to them because it works right but also like you watch enough of a certain kind of media and then you try to replicate it the things that come out in the things that you're trying to replicate whether or not it's on purpose are going to come out right giving sparrow this like weird tragic really out of place orphan backstory in the middle of the film where at the point she doesn't really even need a character motivation which is so strange right but like she's already been slotted in and then giving her another tragic backstory on top of that was like wholly unnecessary but why was it unnecessary and why as do we as an audience like get frustrated by things like that as well and like it's just a whole bunch of things that like you know kind of sort of topple on top of one another and i think that it just came out the most with those two characters because those two characters as tropey as this movie is, Sparrow and Ni Chang are literally just tropes. That is the extent <laughs> of their fucking characterization. Like, the mean witch bitch who, like, hates the main character because she's, like, younger, beautiful, and, like, more, you know, experienced, and that or, like, better at her than fighting, or she's prettier, or whatever, and then, like, the main heroine protagonist who doesn't really know what's going on, but, like, probably has a tragic backstory, even though it doesn't really matter to the actual plot, she just needs a reason to be there, but it doesn't matter to anybody else, therefore it doesn't matter to us as an audience, like, that is a trope! That's just a trope. She's a trope. The witch is a trope. And that's why it falls on its head is because they're not characters. They're just copy paste of something else that the writers probably saw in another piece of media. And and it didn't work. It didn't work in those yeah. and it doesn't work in this. And it's like there's something about this type of movie where it's like borderline satirical, borderline parody of like the movies that came before. So like if, you, if you're going to do tropes, they have to be subversive in some way. And that's like what... Jackie or at least Chan try like, to make uh, them Jet subversive in some way. Huh? Like, at least try to make them subversive yeah. in some way, yeah. Like, 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 that's kind of, like, the whole conceit of your movie if you're going to do something like this, right? And yeah. it's, like, they did a really good job with, like, Jackie Chan and, like, Jet Li and, like, the Drunken Master and, like, the Silent Monk, right? And, like, they're having a lot of fun skewer- skewering these tropes. But then we get to the tropes of, like, the woman and it's, like, they don't do anything with it. They don't run, any- they don't run anywhere with it. Yeah. 
Which is just disappointing, I think. Because um, yeah. if I watched this movie and they subverted both of those female tropes into something different, I think I would have been very impressed, no matter how campy or ridiculous everything else was. And campy or ridiculous, it definitely was. But I do think... <laughs> I think that one of the weird strengths of this movie, too, is that the camp works. When I think it's that, working, it's working. I, I think so. And that's why it's really upsetting. Orphan bitch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my fucking God, right? Like, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny without, I think, even, like, really trying to be... Be super funny and and it's just i guess it's disappointing that i'm like i can acknowledge where it does work which is why where it falls flat is like that much more disappointing because i'm like you could have done something really interesting with this but then you just decided not to like the thing with silent monk actually being like a subset of the monkey king is like it's such a crazy twist and it's actually really fucking meta and really cool and it's all like it's cool on mm -hmm. its own but then if you know the backstory and you know like a general you have a general idea of like what the journey to the west is really about and you know that reference it's like it elevates it that much more but on its own it's a really good fucking twist because we saw it before in the movie too like they foreshadow it before um and with like Jet Li playing both characters like it just that that is something that took thought and time and effort and it's good and they just did not do that for either one of their female characters you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I got two questions for you. The first one is um, top picks, record rambles. What are we feeling here? Oh my god! <sighs> I'm, you know, like I feel like I'm feeling record rambles. Like, like record rambles sounds like it implies that this is bad, and like, like it's like categorically awful, and you can't have fun with it. And I think yeah. that's not true. Record yeah. rambles for me means it's like not great, but also you can have fun with it. Camp. It's kind of literally that. So yeah. I, I'm putting my vote down. I, rambles I think that we can do raccoon rambles, but I do think that maybe we should do like tiers for raccoon rambles. And I think in terms of trash, this is like A plus t trash. Like, like <laughs> okay, rent okay. a girlfriend. So a rent a list. girlfriend is F tier trash. It's just trash. There's nothing you can do with it. You can't repurpose it or recycle it or do anything good with it. This, I think it's a trash. I think that the camp works. I think if you're looking at it as a parody, it works. There's downfalls, but there's downfalls in the rest of the genre, and I think that's why because it's a product of the genre. But I, I, I don't know. I would say like either A or B plus trash for me. I was gonna say it was like on like our normal scale, it would be like C. But if we're talking about like trash, and I think that yeah, you're making a really good distinction here, we should probably separate these two tier lists. If we're talking about trash, this is definitely A tier trash. Yes, like, like, A tier like, trash. It is so fun. <laughs> I had so much fun with it. Right? It's and high like, grade I genuinely... reusable plastic. Like, <laughs> yeah. I would genuinely recommend like you go watch this. Like, after, like, yeah. First of all, you probably should have watched it before you listen to the podcast, but if you haven't, go watch it now. Yeah. Now you know uh, everything that's gonna happen. Really but <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's one of those things. You know what's gonna happen. You're still gonna have fun with it. Um, so so like yeah, go, go yeah, a tier trash. But also remember earlier in the episode, I said like I I have to give it an extra letter grade. <laughs> For, for that, that one, one line, line. <laughs> and, and you know I stick to my word yeah geez you do so stick it's to your S tier word. trash no like, okay okay <laughs> but also I stick to my word <laughs> you do stick trash. to your word you know agree to disagree it's S tier trash for you I'm gonna stick to my A A a a plus i think that like i think that where this movie works it really works and if you're not thinking too hard about it you can really enjoy it but i do think that like even with stuff like this where you just can turn your brain off and you don't have to think too much about it right i still think it's valuable to have time where you 
actually do dive into pieces of media like this because there's a reason why female characters get sidelined. There's a reason why every single time there's more than one female like character they usually get pitted against each other in some way like there's a reason why these things happen and it's good to know why they happen Mm -hmm. um and it's good to talk about it and it's good to be aware of that because as fun as media can be it influences us you know like you might not physically notice it but your brain definitely does and so um for those of you out there who are yeah, sorry. Uh, for those of you out there that are like, you know, interested in either like writing or, you know, putting your own stories out there, knowing why these tropes fail and knowing why a story is bad and why it doesn't work is valuable. Um, but yeah, you were going to say, sorry. Yeah, I was also going to say, like, I'm like under like the, the type of like philosophy where it's like, it's okay to enjoy things that are like not great or problematic and like have problematic themes or like subtext in it as long as you like take can take the time to like understand and like dissect why and then like have that reveal something greater about like philosophy or like sociology or like the greater mm-hmm. world around you so like you know i'm totally down for like being able to enjoy this movie and saying it's great and saying it's like mm-hmm. s tier <laughs> while also acknowledging that like there are some problematic things right and like that's okay right we don't have to just hate things prima facie like because they're because they have problematic things like we can still like them as long as we're able to dig and understand and engage with those uh but also turn also have room to turn your brain off and watch this movie too exactly you know like like it's that kind of balance you know like don't take it too seriously but but you know take it enough seriously to where we can like understand how like the sociology and like of our country of our culture created these types of tropes in here and why that's important and why like they don't make sense or don't work or why they should like be rethought yeah no exactly could not have said any better um so yeah (laughs) all right so um we do have a bit more time and we haven't done a uh, gems of the week in a while so like Um, where are you at with that oh god i a bit of a real moment for me uh i've been going through a lot of personal stuff this past month so um i haven't had a lot of time to be digesting anything new but um <laughs> and it's i might be like <laughs> some of you might really judge me for this but i'll just say i started watching my hero academia um and i actually really like it just yeah now? um i i actually <laughs> really like it i really actually enjoy um, the first season I'm on the second season now but I actually think that the story is like pretty fucking good and I like the way that they're playing certain tropes of like different hero types and like I think that I I haven't really ever seen a show like my hero I think a lot of people group it in with like demon slayer and those other kind of like shonen pro tag animes where it's like the main character is a young boy who's like trying to find his way in the world with like this immense power but to be honest with you i think my hero does a lot to subvert a lot of the tropes that are found in superhero type things and i'm enjoying it so far i know that the fandom is like fucking weird but i think the story is really good so far so i'm gonna keep watching it and see where it goes i'm only in the second season right now i just started it but um i don't know i i think it's pretty good so far but you can judge me if you think that (laughs) you can judge me if you don't like it i think i think up to where you are and probably a little further it's really good i'm caught up with the manga though and i like i don't want to say anything but like that's what i've heard i've heard that like the story kind of starts to deteriorate once it became like more mainstream but i've heard that the first few seasons are like pretty good 
So this is going to be a little bit of a tangent, but like Horikoshi, first of all, his yeah. manga art fucking amazing i think he might be one of the best artists when it comes to like dynamic action in manga like like seriously like you like the show take a time just to like flip mm-hmm. through some of the pages his art is yeah excellent he also said at some at some point that like that like he kind of wants to write a horror manga Ooh. next right and i think his art style would really work for it and low-key it kind of just feels like he's thinking more about the horror manga than this <laughs> this manga at this point like it really just feels like he just wants to wrap it up and like i'm kind of feeling i just want him to wrap it up you know like so he can move on to this next project because he seems way more excited about this than like where we are right now in the manga and like that's how i feel but once you get there you you tell me i also think that like i see certain elements of it in my hero like i think that he wants to play with like this darker side of like family and tragedy and but the problem is is that like the genre that he's playing with does not have a lot of flexibility for those darker things like and this is the big problem that i have with demon slayer (laughs) and you know what demon slayer fans out there like you can you can rip into me for this i don't care i don't like demon slayer i think that the way that they play personal trauma in demon slayer undermines personal trauma i don't i don't think that tanjiro should be a happy character at all i don't think you were a normal happy-go-lucky shonen protag normal buddy boy after seeing your entire family slaughtered in your house covered in blood like it's not like they just disappeared or anything like he saw their dead bodies and he's like fine tanjiro's more mentally stable than i am like that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I don't understand. And so I I think that like where that uh, what did you say his name was the author of my hero? I'm sorry. I totally just barred and farted. Horikoshi. Uh, I think Horikoshi wants to play with these like darker things, but that like very specific genre of like shonen anime protagonist who's like happy go lucky and like everything's good and I want to be a hero does not have a lot of room for the kind of like very intense like hopeless yeah like you can't have hopelessness in those kinds of uh, in that genre because it doesn't have any room for being hopeless because the characters have to be happy all of the time so i think that he touches on it like i see a lot of it in like Todoroki's backstory with like his the abuse that he suffered with both like the hands of his mom and his dad um deku isn't a very tragic character um and i think that that's like the, he doesn't have room to really be super tragic like he can't have like seen his entire family die because he is the very quintessential like i'm gonna save everybody and he has to have like he has to have had like a normal childhood and a loving mother and i think that makes perfect sense um you know what i mean like i think that makes sense um yeah and we're getting a little bit more into like the villains at this point now too and so i think that like i'm gonna really enjoy like the villain backstories because i think that's where he's gonna have more room to play around with like this darkness hopelessness kind of thing but yeah i can see that he has like a passion for doing some darker stuff but i think the specific story does not leave a lot of room or interpretation for him to do that and i don't know why i'm talking so much about this but now that you say that i'm like connecting the dots on certain things and i'm like this makes so much more sense (laughs) um but yeah no i'll i'll probably check out the manga um also we have not done gems of the week in a long time so let me just say i finished the chainsaw man manga in a day so good it's so fucking good it's so fucking good there's so much 
there's so much to talk about like 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 this manga we will do a whole episode several episodes on this we promise so many episodes but like this is something i have to yes. do for myself like like i am yes we are going to do chainsaw man. man and the anime is very good i think that mappa right now they have a lot on their plate and the fact that they made chainsaw man as beautiful as it was and put the time and effort into doing what they did and how they did it i think i hats off to everybody at mappa studios right now because they're doing like a fucking lot right now like i know that they did like vinland saga <laughs> season two like i know that they're working on that i know that they did uh chainsaw man i know that they're doing attack on titan i know that like they're they got a lot on their fucking they're doing a fucking shit ton so like good for them for like taking the time to carve out like the space for chainsaw man to make it as good as it like should be um I just love the coloring of that anime. Like, I think it's brilliantly colored. It's very well animated. They play around a lot with, like, movement in that. And I... Hats off. Hats off is all I can fucking say. It's a, it's a piece of art, both the manga and the anime. Whichever one you prefer, go get into that story. Because it's fucking amazing. Very good. Very good. We, I am so excited to do that episode. <laughs> this podcast was produced by Yeji. It was created and written by both of us. It was edited by me. And the cover art was done by my good friend, Emma Nebecker. 